Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Hogana Sandvik, who is a senior researcher at the National Centre for Emergency Primary Healthcare, Norse, Norwegian Research Centre, Bergen. And the paper is Continuity in General Practice as Predictor of Mortality, Acute Hospitalisation, and use of out-of-hours care, a registry-based observational study in Norway. Now, we do know that continuity of care with a GP is generally regarded as an important aspect of quality. This Norwegian study delves into that in a little bit more detail, in particular because they have a named regular GP system. I started by asking Hogna to tell us a little bit more about the background to Norwegian general practice and that system. 20 years ago, uh, we reformed our system of primary care, general practice, and we introduced uh, a system called the Regular General Practitioner Scheme, the RGP scheme. It's a system based on uh, listing uh, and financed by capitation and fee-for-service. The listing is with individual named general practitioners, not with uh, practices. And uh, when this system was introduced, uh, all citizens in Norway were invited to choose their particular name, general practitioner. And uh, as it turned out, uh, almost 90% uh, got their wish fulfilled. And uh, those who did not uh, specify any wish, they uh, were assigned to GPs with available capacity. Uh, the system has been very popular, but among uh, doctors and patients, uh, only 0.2% uh, has decided to stay outside of the system. But over the years, uh, we also experienced that workload is increasing and experienced GPs tend to quit or retire and we have recruitment problems. Young doctors hesitate to enter general practice. Yeah. So you've got this remarkable system. I mean, this it's a good system with a regular general practitioner named for each person. And um, that really sets up the background to this study, which allows you to look at continuity of care. And you, you picked out some um, specific outcomes and you've been able to look then a little bit about those people that are in the RGP scheme and um, work out what exactly the impact of continuity is. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit about that now, Hogna. Yeah. Uh, our aim was to investigate if longitudinal continuity with a named general practitioner really matters. And we selected three uh, outcome data uh, to investigate this, uh, use of out-of-hour services, uh, acute hospital admission, and uh, mortality. And uh, luckily in Norway, we have... Uh, good national uh, record registries, uh, which uh, is possible to link uh, individually by a national ID number. So we were able to um, uh, get uh, the duration of uh, doctor-patient relationship for all citizens as an, our main explanatory variable. But of course, uh, this are complex uh, associations and we had to adjust for a number of possible confounders uh, not just uh, ordinary demographics but uh, also morbidity which is a very important confounder in this context and uh, when we did this analysis we ended up with uh, a very clear and uh, significant result uh, that the duration of uh, doctor-patient 
relationship had a very significant influence on these outcomes. Yeah, so three main outcomes, use of out-of-hour services, acute hospital admission, and mortality. I mean, three really good outcomes. You know, there's no proxy, not really proxy markers in there when it comes to mortality, really. So they're really good, important, clinically relevant outcomes. And as you say, the results were, they were, they were there's certainly one graph, one figure in particular in the, um, in the results, which shows it very clear, clearly. Um, try and describe it to us a little bit, Hogner, what you found. Yeah. Uh, when the duration of the doctor-patient relationship exceeded 15 years, uh, the fre frequency of these outcomes were reduced by 25 to 30 percent compared to a duration of one year. Mortality was reduced by 25 percent. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an incredible number, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, t tell us a little bit more. Of course, this is not new. Uh, most GPs know that uh, continuity matters. Uh, but uh, I think our results uh, are very clear. They are highly significant and they are dose-dependent. Um, increasing duration leads to less use of uh, out-of-hour services, less use of hospital and lower mortality. So this dose-dependent relationship leads us to believe that there is a causal relationship. And that, I think, is important. Yeah, I think that's really key here, isn't it? And there's all sorts of, you know, there's the usual markers we look at for causal relationships, where there's clearly an association here. You've demonstrated yeah. that. And the question is whether or not it's the continuity that's doing it. And that dose dependence is just so important. And it's so clearly demonstrated in your paper as well here. And, and uh, what should the consequences be? Uh, as I said, the results are very clear. They are easy to understand. And I think even for politicians... <laughs> uh, yeah, the continuity matters, and it seems I think it pays to invest in general practice. It saves lives, it saves cost, and continuity should be encouraged. And I think that uh, it should be possible to convey this even to those who are in charge. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I mean, I'll, I'll just linger for a second on the strengths. You know, this is a big nation, national study nationwide. You know, you had four and a half million individuals, I think, included in this and yeah, the, yeah. In part mm -hmm. of this scheme. So uh, some of the other studies, you're right, this is not entirely new, but it perhaps hasn't been shown to this depth before and with such clarity. And some of the other papers had rather smaller numbers on the verge of statistical significance, as you've pointed out. And so this looks like really, you know, we were as you suggested, and particularly the, like the Pereira Gray systematic review has shown the benefits of um, continuity on mortality. But this is really powerful evidence that adds to that. But the question is what we do about it, I suppose. L let me just ask a quick question about how many patients do GPs, um, how many patients do GPs have on average in Norway? On average, uh, circa 1,100. Yeah. So 1100 to 1200 odd, isn't it? That regard. I, we, in terms, if you look at the full-time equivalent in the UK versus uh, patient population, um, we're about more like double that, I think. And so that's, yeah. that's a really key, a, a, a key factor here, isn't it? For all the politicians that might be considering this is that we simply can't do this with um, insufficient number of doctors. And, and what sort of difficulties are you having with Norway on that side of things? How do you feel that things are overall managing? I, I think it seems that you are worse off than, than we are. Uh, uh, GPs in Norway 
do not only do work in their uh, offices, uh, they also do uh, public health work in nursing homes, uh, prison schools, mother and child welfare clinics, and they uh, also do out of hours duty. In addition to that, uh, patients are used to longer consultations. Uh, they usually get 15 to 20 minutes uh, when they see the GP. So uh, that might explain uh, some of the differences in, in, in list size uh, and, and, and problems handling it. Uh, but we, we also have this problem that uh, doctors are overworked and uh, they are quitting uh, and uh, young doctors are afraid to enter general practice. Yeah, I think those are universal difficulties, you know, globally almost in terms of numbers of doctors. Um, but you're, yeah, you're right. I think you've identified a few areas there that we're not quite as well off as yourselves. Uh, average consultation time is tends to come out below 10 minutes still in the UK, though many practices do offer um, flexible appointments or even fi and certainly 15 minutes in a lot of places. But I think when you average it out across... Um, the country and across different sort of types of consultation it tends to come out as under 10 minutes which is clearly insufficient and a massive problem with um, you know the, the stress levels that the doctors and the GPs experience when you're trying to go through that number of patient contacts in a day so that's really problematic I can't see it in, from our end I can't see it getting better until we get more doctors through and we can diversify to a large extent um, with uh, you know other very capable healthcare practitioners, be they nurses, paramedics, or, or what have you. But I do think that fundamentally we we need more GPs and we need more GPs to, um, and we need to make the working conditions um, acceptable. So we, there's a bit of a catch-22 currently in the UK on that side of things. So it's a, bit, it's a challenge. Um, any final words on your paper, it's really, um, it's really been well received and some really powerful findings. But any any further thoughts you'd like to add? Perhaps the the generalizability of our findings might be discussed. Uh, uh, we have investigated continuity with a person, a named general practitioner. Uh, we don't know if uh, our results are also valid for continuity with the practice. Uh, and I think uh, it would be really interesting if a similar study could have been conducted uh, in, in a setting where the patients are listed with a practice or a team or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that would be really interesting. I, I know in the paper that you mentioned that actually you, that people tend to be registered more with a practice in, uh, in the UK, which is true, but almost, all, as you do mention, almost everybody does have a named GP oh. now, though they don't necessarily see them all the time. And um, yeah, I think you're right. Whether this holds at practice level when a lot of other healthcare professionals are involved in the care as well would be really interesting. And the other aspect of that is, I think you mentioned in the paper that most practices seem to be three to six GPs in Norway. Yeah. And while that might have been the case in the UK a few years ago, I don't know what the average number is, but there has been a lot of mergers of practices in recent years as um, people find try to find ways to cope going forward. And so that, that may, not be, may not be quite the same either in that regard. So there's quite a lot of areas to explore yet here, isn't there? I don't know about the UK, but in, in Norway, um, uh, general practitioners usually run their own businesses. They have their own enterprise, private practice. 
but uh, and, and this is still a very popular model for experienced GPs. But uh, young doctors seem to prefer salaried positions, fixed salary, and uh, it seems necessary to uh, convert these private practice uh, positions into fixed salary positions. And I am a bit skeptic about that uh, with regard to continuity because it is very much easier to quit a salary job than to quit uh, a, a private business you have invested time and money into. So I think that is not so good for continuity in the future. Yeah, that's incredibly pertinent to the UK. Most practices are um, there are partnerships and they're privately owned in that regard. They're sort of semi-independent contractors. And as you say, I think there may be a preference for salaried positions in in many doctors, not necessarily even just the younger ones, perhaps those who just value more flexibility and mobility as well. And that doesn't necessarily play well with continuity either. So there's a lot of challenges there. Okay, now that's been incredibly helpful, incredibly insightful, and I really um, uh, appreciate you spending the time to tell us a little bit more about it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.